Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash madmoney and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash madmoney. Thanks for your help. My mission is simple. To make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to help you save some money. My job, not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach, and deal with days like today, because I know how tough they are. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Of course, you can tweet me at Jim Kramer, but you got to be a little nicer. All right, please. All right, whenever I tell people I like the market, you know what they say? The market is too high. It's too expensive. Do you know how many times I've heard that phrase this year? People have been brainwashed into believing the market's too high, when in reality, well, there are parts of the market that have gotten incredibly cheap. I think some are in a proverbial bear market. They're just obscured by the high flyers. Now, if you look under the hood, though, the bargains are plain as day, even as the averages might be too high. And I'll give you that. See, I bring this up on, uh, on the day when finally the other shoe dropped, the one that gave us our first case of Omicron here, which I said would set the averages into a tailspin, and it did. Dow sinking 462 points. It was up very big at one point. S&P tumbling 1.18%. NASDAQ nosediving 1.83%. It was really painful. The house of pain. Why? Because while many stocks are down, not all stocks are out because the companies aren't out. It's a very hard point. We're going to get it across today. All week, I've warned you that we're going to get another leg down. We start hearing about Omicron cases in the U.S. And we only have one so far. It's going to get much worse. So now you can start the nibbling process. Just nibble because it's inconceivable that this will be the only case. In fact, I do expect thousands of cases as we have so many unvaccinated people or so many people who need that third boost because they got vaccinated long enough ago that the power is wearing off, which is what was happening to me. All right. So let's face it. The Omicron strain is here to stay. We just don't know when the market will start pricing in these looming infections. It did happen before. It's going to happen again. Happened in Delta. Happened in 2020. It's a total wild card when it's priced in. But in 2020, it happened. First strain came, and then we decided it was okay after a long, longer period. Delta, first strain came, saw how bad it was. It got to sell off. And then we started thinking, huh, maybe we should be buying. That's what I'm prepping you for. We are in the quick second sell-off. The second shoe doesn't finish dropping, though, in a single session. 
Now, there are plenty of names that are down big from their highs. But given that it's the first day of December, why don't we just go to the November videotape and examine some of the largest capitalization stocks that just got completely annihilated and people are giving up on. These often represent the biggest bargains or at least decent, better entry points than just a few weeks ago. All these are quality companies. It's not a single obscure company. Let's start off with some of the obvious names. And I'm going to give you these are stocks that we have been buying for the charitable trust because they've been pulverized from their highs. And they're now the definition of cheap, not on this year's earnings, but now on next year's earnings. I'm going to give you four of them. Disney, PayPal, MasterCard and Wynn Resorts. Look at the charts. They're nowhere near the highs. You need to understand our philosophy for the Charitable Trust. You can learn more by joining the CMC Investing Club. See, we have a bunch of rules. For example, we don't like to chase. So we prefer to buy stocks on the way down, not the way up. We don't buy stocks for the now. We're not trading. We're investing for the long term. They're very different. And we don't mind losing money on our first purchase. Actually, I love it when a stock goes lower than I like, allowing me to put on a larger position. I hate it when we start buying something and then the stock ramps before we get enough shares to make a difference. When it comes to Disney, PayPal, MasterCard, and Wynn, we've got a good news, bad news situation going. The good news is that these stocks have all fallen from where they were trading when the trust started buying them, giving us a better entry point. Of course, that's also the bad news because our entry point was obviously now too high. Yours won't be. Let's start with Disney which is down, down more than 60 bucks from its 203 peak. When I hear people say the market's too expensive, I like to explain that something like Disney's down too much versus what it got going for it. Uh, the theme parks, ESPN, yes, I saw the numbers. I saw the millions drop, but it's got ESPN Plus people are paying for the movies, the cruise ships. Now, it doesn't mean, again, that Disney is going to stop going down tomorrow. No! It does mean you've got to start somewhere. It does mean if you look back three months ago, uh, you can see how far it's gone. You might three months from now say, why didn't I pull the trigger on some? Right now, Disney's being held down by the Omicron variant and disappointing subscriber numbers for Disney+. Plus. That's their streaming service. This stock won't stay horrible forever. Why? Iconic company, best franchises. That's what you want. Broken stock, not broken company. You really want to tell me that they can't fix Disney Plus by offering something new? That's absurd. They may not even need something new. The Mandalorian comes back next year. Beals Doc, I got to check it out. Okay, time to start a Disney position. Not perfect, but we don't know. We don't know when Omicron is going to be built into the stock market. Second, how about PayPal? It's down another 3% today. Let's see if it goes down 3% every day. At what point does it go to minus 3? No, stock stop is zero. Did you sellers even listen to what CEO Dan Schulman said when he came on the show last night? Dan Schulman, he's the CEO. He made it clear that business near term is better than expected. Now, I know some sellers are motivated by PayPal's not-so-hot chart. I'm motivated by the fact that the stock's down 131 points from its 310 high. By the way, that's called a bear market. It's a bear stock. It would be one thing if the franchise were falling apart. But the next quarter is the last time PayPal will be weighed down by its overhang of its eBay-affiliated pass. Again, it's a buy. But it could go lower. Got to start somewhere. You want some insanity? That could get even ins- more insane. Why don't you take a look at Ma? That's MasterCard. Now, this one's down 95 bucks from its 401 peak. Bear market. Only two weeks ago, CEO Michael Meebach told us the business was terrific. Nobody cared. He just boosted his buyback by another $8 billion, irrelevant, and raised the dividend by 11%. Meaningless. 
I think all those things are ridiculous, but that's how people say right now. Now, I thought people should pay up for all this good news, but investors are worried that MasterCard will get hit if Omicron causes a slowdown in international commerce. I know these payment stocks are hated here. I don't think MasterCard's quite ready to bottom at these levels, but it's a lot closer to bottom than it was a few months ago. That said, every time we hear about a new outbreak, it's going to get hit. All right, so at what point does an outbreak not matter? I don't know, which is why I have to start somewhere. Finally, there's one of the most hated stocks I've ever seen. It's called Wind Resource. Casino stock that's almost been cut in half. Probably goes lower. It has an $8.8 billion valuation. That's way too low given the value of the properties, which, if you wanted to build them now, would cost $13 billion. Thank you, management, for giving me that number. I think this company could easily be acquired by an MGM or Las Vegas Sands. They know the physical properties and the brand are best in show. Believe me, the insiders would be delighted to cash in. Now consider some other very obvious ideas. We were in San Francisco two weeks ago. William Sonoma reported. I was blown away by how good it was. So what? Stock's now down 36 from its high. Bear market. It's become one of the cheapest retailers I know. Crazy? Can it get cheaper? Of course. But did you buy it anywhere near the high? No. The biggest fear of those wanting to come into the market is that they're buying at the high. Well, uh-uh. Then there's American Express. Now, this has fallen off a cliff in the last couple of weeks. They've got great ties to small, medium-sized businesses, not to mention millennial consumers. How about City? Down 18 from 80 to, uh, well, it's, it's going to be a 59, 58 soon. But it now trades at nearly a 17%, $17 discount to its tangible book value. That makes it a steal. Not that I want it, but it is. They can sit there and buy back stock all day and make money on it. But will they? I don't know. I haven't heard from them. I could name many more, but the point is there are tons of stocks in bear markets that are much further, much further from being expensive than they were. They are in bear markets. Sure, they may have been expensive a month ago, but down here, if you take a year-long perspective like my charitable trust, they may turn out to be tremendous bargains, and you don't know when they're going to bottom. Does that make the whole market cheap? Of course not. But I don't care about the whole market. I'm looking for bargains, for anomalies, most of all for damaged stocks of quality companies. Now, not one of these companies is going away. They might be challenged by competitors, but they're long-term winners that have always found a way to be on top. Sure, with Omicron, everything's gotten suddenly scary. It's enough to freeze you in your tracks. Honestly, you could do worse than freezing up. At least you're frozen. You can't sell everything. But the investment club teaches patience, and I'm urging patience with each of these iconic yet beaten down stocks. You buy some now, and then you can buy some later. When the next leg occurs, when the next Omicron story comes out, and that's also also bad. For days, I've told you we were waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it just hit today. But in this market, a shoe doesn't drop in a day. Bottom line, if you wait too long to buy these bargain basement stocks, and Omicron becomes nothing more than a runny nose for the vaccinated, even as the unvaccinated exercise their God-given right to hospitalization and death, I think you'll look back and kick yourself for missing some of these obvious buying opportunities. I don't want you to, you didn't catch the top. You might not catch the bottom, but they're certainly cheaper than they were. Adam in Texas, Adam. Hi, Jim. I have a question on the stock C Limited. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you think about it? It's uh, it's been selling off pretty hard since its earnings. Is it still, it's got, like, okay, so C. I'm it? so glad you asked about this, Adam. Because here's the problem with C. Your fellow shareholders, they're running for cover. This is a great franchise because they really own their own market. It's incredible. It's, it's Uber. It's everything. It's eBay. It's, it's uh, Amazon. It's everything. At the same time, everybody knew that, and they are jumping ship. If you want to start a position, you can do it. But remember, it's going lower because of your joker fellow shareholders who maybe bought the stock on margin. Can I go to Alex in Oregon? Alex. Hey, Jim, Alex, you're in Portland. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I just wanted to know your thoughts on Coca-Cola, given the 
uh, inflation and interest rate situation we find ourselves in. You buy Coca-Cola here. This is the kind of stock that you buy. You even bought it in 2001. You did well. Uh, but you got to buy it in stages. Three and a quarter. And it had a fantastic quarter, by the way. So maybe you buy, let's say you want to buy 100 shares. But why don't you buy 25 tomorrow? Coca-Cola's not going away. As a matter of fact, Coca-Cola's gotten much better. James Quincy's doing a terrific job. We can't catch bottoms, people. Only liars catch bottoms. What we do is we start when it's a lot lower than it was. That's right. It is time to do some bargain hunting. So take a look at these stocks and just understand, I don't think a single one of these stocks is going to bottom tomorrow. But I also know that you're not buying at the top. Unity Software. They announced after the bell that it's closed on its acquisition of Weta Digital. So what does that mean? I mean, that's Peter Jackson. Think about Lord of the Rings, right? I'm talking to the CEO. Then the S&P 500 historically has a strong seasonal pattern for the month of December, but we have anything but that. Will history still repeat itself or is it over? I'm going to check the charts. And Cruda Therapeutics has its sights set on curing some of the most difficult effects from Alzheimer's and schizophrenia, and we need them to win. Believe me. So let's talk to the CEO. And meanwhile, accept, accept that these aren't the top, but they may not be at the bottom and stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional quality expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Well, we saw whipsaw action in the markets today. In the last couple of weeks, the action for all sorts of fast-growing tech stocks has has been pretty steady. They've been obliterated by inflation worries, though, because red-hot inflation is an anathema to anything that trades on what it could earn in the distant future. But some of these names have fallen to the point where, to me, they're enticing. Let's talk about Unity Software, which makes tools for video game developers, especially mobile games, but also the metaverse. Last month, Unity reported a magnificent quarter. Stock soared to the 200s thanks to the recent sell-off, including a more than $20 decline today, 12% slide. Well, now it's all the way back to 151. So you're getting that quarter for free. 
Just as important, the company just closed in the acquisition of Weta Digital's tech division, which handled all the visual effects in the amazing, amazing movies, The Lord of the Rings, something that could really help turn Unity into a true powerhouse. So let's take a closer look with John Rigatello. Now, John is the CEO of Unity Software. Find out more about the deal and what it means going forward. Mr. Rigatello, welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim. John, I got to tell you, I think owning these properties, owning uh, some iconic properties that allow developers to make cool things made me think that I could get into a metaverse with some of these iconic, iconic drawings, tools that you give me and really create a place that's my own that I'd like to share with others. I think this is the big opportunity for a lot of developers. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I think, look, first off, Peter Jackson's a genius and you know, when he started to create the, the Lord, of the Ring, Lord of the Rings film some years ago, more than 20 years ago, he started by creating these tools to make effects. Like, remember when you saw Golem for the first time? It's incredible. So he's built literally dozens of tools. It's a large organization, um, over 500 person years of engineering going into it. It's everything from like city building tools, virtual environments, world building tools, things like barbershop, make realistic hair and fur and mustaches and some of the world's best rendering technology. It's absolutely amazing what they've built. And it's, it's, it's locked inside of the special effects house that is Weta. And what we get to do is take those tools and bring them to the rest of the film industry, the music industry, to the, to the, the video game industry. Anybody that wants to demonstrate or show something just gorgeous, perhaps in the metaverse or in any other form of media. Well, John, I, I think a lot of people don't understand this. I think they don't understand, unless they're, they design things, that it takes these kinds of tools to make things lifelike. Without them, you're making these generated uh, drawings. They don't cut it anymore. You can't do it without these kinds of tools, correct? That's absolutely correct. If you think about like a, a special effects film, um, you know, any of the Marvel movies or, or frankly, anything that we we love, some of the movies we love. Right. And they're essentially created one frame at a time, one pixel at a time, absent tools. It is slow, laborious. It's there's not enough people power on Earth to create this stuff without fundamental tools. And just to mention one barbershop, one of the products, one of the tools that was created by the weather team is able to create realistic fur, realistic hair, realistic um, mustaches, etc. But remember, you don't just draw this stuff. There's physics behind it. it you've seen, you know, in traditional animation or in, in films, it looks like a helmet of hair. It doesn't look lifelike or real, or that sparkle in the eye, or the, the texture, like tissue, the, the texture on the skin. Getting that exactly right. Artists can't do that one frame at a time and, and produce a movie, but, you know, once every couple of decades. These tools are massive enablers to content creators in gaming or in design and architecture, engineering, construction, and film, where they have the most advanced film production organization on the world in the world for special effects. Hey, John, I was thinking about you when I was out at uh, NVIDIA with Jensen Wong, and we were trying to, he was showing me things, and I was trying to figure out whether they were real or whether they were not computer-generated designs, like you said, but Unity kind of things. And, John, I couldn't tell. And that's the holy grail, because everything else doesn't have the right shading. It doesn't look realistic. Once you see the real deal that Unity has with Weta, you're never going to go back to the other stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. And first off, I'm a big Jensen fan and everything they're doing. But I'd have to tell you, um, if you ask me to, want to create something beautiful, 
I'd be held back by the lack of skill. I can't draw like that. I can't, I can't animate like that. I doubt that you can either. But with tools like this, you can create what you imagine. You can translate what's in your brain or in your imagination and your heart to the screen or to a design. Um, and it can be photorealistic or it can be anything else you want it to be. It doesn't have to be photorealistic. It can be, it can it look like a, you know, a comic book if that's what you want it to look like. But in choosing that, you have the agency. You're not limited by your skills or limited by your capability to use a, a computer in an incredible way. Um, we make that possible. All right, so let's say I happen to be an NFL fan. I want to play wide receiver. Uh, I'm not obviously going to do that in real life. Can I do that in Unity Life? Can I be out there with the other players and you can't tell that I'm not real? Well, there's about 10 questions wrapped up into that. So first <laughs> off, there's video games, you know, from companies like Electronic Arts where you can play Madden and you can be, you know, part of the game. But if you, you want to, let me, let me pull this back for a second. A traditional movie is made primarily with a camera, and then special effects are brought in after. You know, in the future, you're going to use tools like Unity and tools like the Weta tools we brought, where it's virtual production, where the entire environment is created inside of a computer. And what you're doing is essentially using green screen to put somebody's face or somebody's body inside of that environment. And, you know, movies like Spielberg produced with, with Ready Player One were done just that way. So as we invert the model where the computer becomes the primary, um, if you will, framework for the, the structuring of a new film or the structuring of a new, new design, um, yes, you can be inside of that world um, and you can inhabit any body you want. Now, a lot of technology goes in, into that. And when people talk about, and I, and I think the term's a little overused with the metaverse, but what they're really talking about is the things that we experience online or on the internet they become 3D, they become interactive, they feel real, like you're there. Right. You, you, you've moved to another place. An early terminology that, early term I, I, I heard a lot for this was presence, the sense, you're, the sense that you're in a right. different place. And it is a, an astonishing change. Um, it's amazing for education, you know, what you can right. teach people when they can feel what they're doing versus just feeling like there's a teacher at the end of the classroom talking to them. They're, they're actually interacting with it. Um, you learn a lot more. So there's so much power that's going to be unleashed from doing these things. And tools that, that we're bringing to, the, to everyone now, the, the Weta tool right. chain and the many tools behind it, will be such an enabler to artists across that literally in the industry. Well, John, you are a true visionary. It's going to be unity. I know it's going to be unity. I don't want people to think about the stock. I want people to think about the future. This is the kind of stock a younger person watching right now. This is the kind of stock you own. John Riccatello, President and CEO of Unity. So great to see you again. Thank you. Good to see you, John. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, add some boughs of holly to your head and shoulders patterns. Kramer's rocking around the Christmas charts next. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. get our bearings when the future's uncertain and the averages keep whipsawing up and down? 
Whenever the market's emotional, boy, is this one emotional, the fundamentals are unclear. So I like to consult the charts, get a more quantitative reading on the situation. That's why tonight we're going off the charts with the legendary Larry Williams. He's the pioneering market historian and technician who's been trading stocks, futures, and commodities since I was a kid with a terrible acne but glorious curly hair, red. Larry's written more than a dozen books on the subject, created all sorts of technical indicators we use all the time. More importantly, his track record over the past couple of years has been phenomenal. Williams has, was the one who nailed the bottom in the spring of last year when most investors were still cowering in fear. Uh, since then, he made a series of great seasonal calls, late June swoon, September sell-off, early November rebound, oil topping. And tonight he's drawing our attention to another big seasonal pattern. These are all seasonal patterns, one that's a bit known but not really isolated the way it should be. And that's what we're going to do tonight. It's called the Santa Claus Rally. Everybody in the business knows that stocks usually go higher in December, emphasis on usually. There are no sure things on Wall Street. Anybody who tells you otherwise is trying to sell you something. December tends to be an excellent period, though, for the market, especially if you know how to time it and when to look for it. And look, as seasonal patterns go, Williams likes to see Santa Claus rally because it's it's reliable. It's bankable. How bankable? I want you to take a look at this chart of the S&P 500, one of the worst years ever, December of 2008, the winter of our discontent, when the Western financial world was indeed crumbling. But if the financial crisis was a hurricane, then December of 2008 was at least called the eye of the storm. Williams points out that in keeping with the bullish seasonal pattern, the red line, that's the S&P, actually finished the month higher. (laughs) We were still bracing ourselves for more bag failures. So keep that in mind when you think about Omicron, right? This thing went higher. A year later, I saw the same phenomenon. Check out 2009. Once again, that December got started with a pullback, followed by a powerful rally in the month. We just don't remember it. This was a good time to buy right here. What about December of 2007? Market on the verge of disaster. 2007, December was a down month for once. But even then, Williams notes we caught a nice bounce near the middle of the month. These are incredible because I need you to be thinking about these when tomorrow we come in and we read about lots of sick people in Norway or wherever. Okay. So generally speaking, December is terrific for stocks. But even in the rare case when we get a bad December, we tend to get a powerful rally in the middle or the end of the month. What about the some more recent data? Okay, now look at 2015. Another year, S&P had a down month in December. People may not remember. It was kind of a scary time. Once again, the Santa Claus rally kicked in, but that was near the 21st, and stocks rebounded off the lows. This could be, if you want to ask me what I think we're most looking at, it's that pattern. How about what, what, uh, what does this say when the market stays strong? I want you to look at 2019. That was the last normal year on record. December 2019 was a terrific time for the S&P 500. But note that the rally accelerated about halfway through the market. So you got, you know, you had good, 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 not so good, and then boom, all right? Then again, there's last year. Uh, Once again, we had a good December in 2020. Williams points out that the optimal short-term entry point came around the middle of the month. So there we have this. We have a lot of little little conflicts we're about to go into. Look, this is a long-standing pattern that tends to kick in even when Wall Street's in turmoil. That's my point. That's Larry's point. Take a gander in the action in December of 1987, one of the worst years ever. Just six weeks after Black Monday laid waste the entire market. Not only did the the S&P roar that December, but the seasonal pattern kicked in near the middle of the month, just like always, we caught another leg higher. Note that the blue line shows the seasonal pattern here only reflects data that was available at the time, meaning you could have caught this rebound using Larry's methodology. Okay, you know, we're right right here. Not that great a time, but, you know, you had to catch it, had to be in it to win it. So what does this tell us about the charts in 2021? Here's the seasonal pattern in red, and while the pattern shifted a bit since 1987, Williams says it's only grown more pronounced. If you only cared about the seasonal pattern, then you'd want to buy the S&P on December 15. I know that's a lot of days from now. 
when you're in the thick of it today, but it's not when you go back a little. You want to catch the mid to late month move, though. Of course, you should never go off the seasonal pattern alone. We have some very real worries right now, and according to Williams, they're showing up in the charts. Obviously, we've had some serious short-term selling pressure. Witnessed yesterday's beatdown, today's ugly reversal. His biggest concern, right now the market's got bad breath. Take a look at the daily action in the S&P 500 going back to September. The blue line here is the advanced decline line, AD line, an indicator that measures the number of stocks going up versus the number going down on a daily basis. Every day you subtract the difference to get a new reading. It's the best way to measure the breadth of what's working, okay? Not very good. The advanced decline line peaked three weeks ago. That's probably, when you look at charts, that was like a lot of these stocks we talked about today. That's the last time they were any good. Tumbled all the way back to where it was when the S&P bottomed in early October. Meanwhile, the S&P remains far above those levels. As far as Williams is concerned, that's very bad news because the averages tend to follow the advanced decline line. Basically, this thing already predicted the sell-off you've had so far. And Williams worries that the market won't be able to bottom until this indicator turns around. The until, putting in quotes, because we don't know when. So he started looking for cycles in the advanced decline itself to get a better bearing. Take a look. The indicator's in black, and Larry's cycle forecast is in red. Okay, this is very important. Listen, this has to do with right now. If history's any guide, the advanced decline line should bottom near mid-December, Around the 10th, say, okay, not that far from now. And if that happens, he expects the stock market to follow suit. In other words, this cycle forecast confirms what we already saw from the seasonal forecast. It points to a mid to late December Santa Claus rally. Although it also suggests that the next week or two could be difficult. We, we are in the soup. We're here, okay? Got me? Now, if the Santa Claus rally is coming this year, how do you play it? Okay, look at the table. Williams tabulated what happened if you bought stocks on the final trading days left in December every year for the last 23 years. What he finds is that if you bought on the opening of the fourth trading day left in December, then held it for at least one session and sold it at the first profitable opening, you would have had a profitable trade in 22 out of 23 years. That's called 95% accuracy. That's called amazing. The accuracy of the trade drops below 90% if you buy on the eighth to last trading of the day of December or earlier. In short, Santa Claus is going to come to town. Based on Williams' calculations, he recommends buying the S&P 500 around December 20th. Here's the bottom line. The charts and historical data is interpreted by Larry Williams. suggest we're looking at a powerful rally near the end of the month. Not right now. But we might also have another leg down before this market stabilizes. My view, I think Larry's giving you still one more reason to start buying opportunistically on the way down off of Omicron, betting, betting that we will get us to where we're almost, okay, here before we, I think we bottom a little earlier than he does, but we'll bottom. All right, let's go to Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. Uh, It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Uh, my question is about Best Buy. With their unlimited tech program and all the cash handed out by the government, I'd expect a great Christmas season for them. Yet the stock continues to drop substantially, along with all my profits and then some. Where do you think it'll go from here? You know, this was an amazing turn that had really nothing to do with Best Buy. I went over that story multiple times. What happened is it anticipated a great quarter, and you got a great quarter. We have seen this. Salesforce anticipated a quarter, got a great quarter. This has been a continual pattern during this month of of, uh, November and now the month of December. So I think that the question is, do you buy some here or you hold it? There's no way you can sell it at this point. It's just too low. Tonight's chartist, Larry Williams, thinks the end of the month could bring a powerful rally. But you have to weather another leg down, which is where we are right now before things stabilize. 
Can you buy into this as it goes down? My thinking is yes, but gingerly and with big spaces between. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Karuna Therapeutics. With the company continuing its research to treat a range of effects caused by Alzheimer's and schizophrenia that almost everybody else has given up on, I'm digging into the latest developments from the company's top brass, very hard illnesses. Then looking for a Christmas rally, I'll reveal three scenarios that can help the market have a happy holiday that nobody's thinking about on a bad day like today. And order calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This is a good time to circle back to groups that have really been laid to waste for the last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, groups that frankly are in bear markets. And that includes the early stage biotechs. This is an industry that's been out of favor in 2020, since really 2021. But there are always opportunities in biotech. You just got to look for them. Which brings me to Karuna Therapeutics. Now, this is an early stage biopharma company. I mean, you can't get any of their drugs right now. It's working on medications for people with psychiatric and neurological conditions. The lead drug is in phase three trials as a treatment for schizophrenia. And they're also studying its impact on patients with dementia-induced psychosis. This is always an intriguing area because existing antipsychotic drugs have unbelievably horrible side effects. Now, unlike most biotechs, Karuna hasn't lagged the market this year. It's actually up 21% for 2021. However, in the past month, this pulled back hard from its highs, like many other stocks, even though management gave you a bullish presentation uh, in early November. So could this be a buying opportunity? Let's check in with Dr. Steve Paul. He's the chairman and CEO of Karuna Therapeutics. Get a better sense of his company's prospects. Dr. Paul, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate okay. it. Of course. Now, Dr. Paul, our viewers do not know Karuna. This is your first visit, so I'd like to turn the floor over to you first to explain what you're doing for some very difficult illnesses. Thanks, Jim. Yes, Karuna is a clinical stage, uh, psych-focused, CNS-focused biotech company developing what we believe will be a best-in-class, potentially game-changing treatment for schizophrenia and psychotic disorders in general. Uh, as you probably know, schizophrenia is a very serious mental illness, uh, affects about 1% of the population. So 3 million Americans live with this disease. It's very disabling. Only about 10% of patients with schizophrenia are gainfully employed. Uh, life expectancy for these patients is reduced by about 10 to 15 years. Uh, Tragically, about 5 to 10% die from suicide. So it's a very disabling, lifelong illness. And frankly, Jim, the treatments we have today aren't all that much better than they were when I was a, a medical student in the early 70s. We're still using drugs. There are about 20 marketed products to treat this illness that are not that different than the very first drug introduced 70 years ago, a drug called Thorazine. So what we have at Corona, we believe, is, a, again, a very novel very new medicine. Uh, we've done three uh, placebo-controlled phase two trials where we've seen remarkable efficacy. And Jim, to your earlier point, without those very difficult, troubling side effects, massive weight gain, you know, elevations in blood pressure, diabetes, uh, neurological side effects, uh, that profile is not our drug. It works very, very differently, has really robust efficacy, at least based on our phase two studies without the baggage, if you will, of the current standard of care. So we're excited. We're in phase three, as you mentioned. We've got four phase three trials up and running. They will read out, the first of which will read out about June of this coming year, 2022, and the second uh, pivotal 
uh, phase three or readout towards the end of the year. And uh, we're, we couldn't be more excited about about this new medicine. OK, now I know you have a tremendous background in this field. Uh, so therefore, you know exactly how difficult it is. Why have the larger companies not succeeded? And we think that your company can. Well, we've uh, we've assembled a terrific team of people, but most importantly, we have an exceptionally interesting medicine. This was a, a medicine that I was developing way back when I was at Lilly. I was head of research at Lilly. We had a drug that we were developing for a different purpose, discovered these remarkable antipsychotic properties, but we had some side effects, and we've now figured out how to deal with those side effects. We've co-formulated our medicine with another medicine that blocks the side effects, brought it back into the clinic and showed this remarkable efficacy. So again, it's really based on on clinical data. Uh, We've also assembled a a terrific team. Uh, They they kid me, we probably have a century or two of experience in developing drugs in this space, a lot of battle scars, but we know what we're doing and we're very optimistic we'll be able to get through these trials. Let's talk about dementia too. I, uh, I run the American Brain Foundation Gala and do a lot of work with the American Migraine uh, Foundation. And I've got to tell you, I'm not saying these are difficult. I'm saying I felt like I think these are often impossible issues. And I'm not saying I'm defeated, but I listen to Karuna, and I don't want to get my hopes up. As you know, when from the work, say, we do with the American Brain Foundation, it's just a bust after a bust after a bust. Can you tell people why this is so hard? Yeah, let me also be clear. We're developing our lead product for the psychotic behavioral disturbances in Alzheimer's disease and other demanding disorders. We, we're not developing this drug to slow the progression of the disease, okay. but about 50% of patients with Alzheimer's disease, roughly about 6 million people in the U.S., develop very bad behavioral symptoms. Uh, they hallucinate, they have delusions, uh, vocal outbursts, um, agitation, and this unfortunately leads to nursing home care, hospitalizations, not only very troubling for the patients, but you can imagine for their families. And our drug works. We had a phase two study we conducted a number of years ago with the lead product at Lilly, and it worked pretty well in this condition. Again, we have solved the tolerability issue. So we're quite optimistic our drug is going to treat these behavioral symptoms of Alzheimer's. We don't pretend that this will slow the progression. And you're right. Uh, those drugs have been, have been challenging to find. Uh, do you think the Lilly drug has hope uh, against Alzheimer's, the current one? Well, I'm, I'm optimistic, yes, and as a former uh, Lilly employee, uh, I, I am optimistic. But, but again, uh, our drug works very differently. It works on a different set of symptoms, nonetheless very troubling symptoms, the kind of symptoms that really impair uh, you know, life and, and, and the care of these patients. Well, I can't tell you how uh, it was important that you come on the show. I, these are diseases that are not talked about. People see people who are homeless. They think that the people have something that is just they're just not right. They don't realize that a lot of them have the things that you're trying to address. It must be addressed. And I'm so glad that you haven't given up like all the big drug companies have because we need to solve these issues. Thank you so much, Dr. Steve Paul, chairman and CEO of Corona Therapeutics. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Yep. What can I say? These are really important issues. They're issues I'm involved in personally. I can tell you that these people have opportunity. Doesn't mean that they can pull them off. But if you believe and you really want to take a leap of faith, Karuna, may have money's back in.
coming up. A storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski that. It's time for the lightning round. Christmas. I'm going to start with Jerry in North Carolina. Jerry. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Jerry. What's up? I ain't chill tonight. I'll tell you that one. What's going on? On April 15, 1912, a big boat, the tide hit an iceberg and it sank. I'm on a big boat and we're taking on water. Is it right. time to get lifeboats out? CCL Carnival. No, it's too early, too early. The one is Norwegian. That's the one that's got the best balance sheet and best situation. And then maybe we can go down to Carnival later. Let's go to Brian in Kentucky. Brian in Kentucky. Brian. Rough, rough couple of days, Jimmy. Thank you. Well, well sitting some good Kentucky bourbon uh, the other day, I stumbled across the company whose trailing 12 month numbers are obviously distorted by the COVID testing business, but they built a great balance sheet with lots of cash and a core genetics business that's growing very fast. Omicron might extend the COVID windfall. Buy, sell, or hold on Folgit Genetics, FLGT. I, I, the stock is a mystery to me. It's, it's, it's a company that's doing quite well. I think, I think it's okay, though. I, it's a very good company. Let's go to Jack in New York. Jack. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. And thanks for all you do for investors and oh, our education. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry about the G-men uh, beating your eagles, yeah, but I'm not that coming. sorry. We had it coming. <laughs> Listen, um, I'm calling about uh, Canadian Pacific. I love the company. and uh, You should ago, love the I company. It's, a, very, it's a rail that has come down so far that I think you have to buy it. If you think there's any chance that the economy is going to rebound again, and I think it will. John in Ohio. John. Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? I am good. How about you? Uh, yeah, just wanted to know your quick thoughts on Cassava uh, Sciences and uh, if you see any potential in the stock. Okay, now this is a stock that, again, is going to get me in trouble with my followers and people in, on Twitter. All I know is that the SEC, according to Dow Jones, is investigating the company. Until I see more about that, I'm going to hold off pronouncing anything about Casa. Tom in New Jersey. Tom. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. I'm calling about a rare disease biotech company out of New Jersey, Inzmet. I-N-S-M. They've recently expanded to uh, Netherlands, Germany, Wales, and Japan. They're seeking approval as well in Belgium, France, and UK. They're a rare disease company. Pure spec. Uh, Pure spec. Nothing beyond spec. Losing big money. Just a spec and no more than that. How about we go to Keith in Nevada. Keith. Hey, Jim. Booyah from Las Vegas. All right. First, I want to yeah, I want to express my gratitude to you for all your hard work and bringing investment ideas to us every day. Thank you Thank so you, much. Man. Thank you. A, a few weeks ago, you had an interview with Eric Anderson, the CEO of Solid Power, which is currently trading under Decarbonization Plus Acquisition right. Corp, a SPAC right. trading under the symbol DCRC. Uh, look, I, I liked it. I mean, I got to tell you, this is again these are speculative stocks. Uh, it's a SPAC, and they, none of them seem to be working right now, but it's, it, it's a great stock in principle. How about that? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer dreams the impossible dream? Find out how this holiday season can be a little less lame is and a little more big biz. Next. 
don't like to leave you all negative at the end of the day. You always have to ask yourself, what, what does happen if things go right? It's easy to assume the worst about the Omicron variant. That's what everybody's doing. It's what started the market doing that terrible swoon. doesn't mean the worst must come true, though. It's just as likely that we beat COVID here and move on with our lives. Yeah, some people say that's a dream scenario. Maybe it's a reality scenario. What make us look back at Jay Powell's quizzical hawk spotting and terrific buying opportunity. Now, before I tell you this, I am conscious that right now the market feels like it's on the cusp of a terrible meltdown, an Omicron-led meltdown. I get that. You don't think I feel it? I do. But when everyone is as negative as I see it at this very moment, sometimes you like to at least theorize otherwise. That's what I'm going to do now. First part of a positive scenario. Maybe Omicron is containable. Maybe it's no worse than other strains despite its hybrid style. We've gotten much better at isolating the virus, and so far it looks like our vaccines, coupled with masks and social distancing, might be able to prevail. Although Moderna's CEO has said existing vaccines might be less effective against this mutation, and the first case at least was a busted vaccine situation. Ah, I don't know. Second, this may sound crazy, but there's a potential positive here. This morning, John Ellis published a must-read news item. That's what it's called. Misentitled, Omicron may be our salvation. He laid out a very real possibility. Omicron could be more contagious. It clearly is contagious, but less dangerous. This is something that happens a lot with viruses. The Delta variant was more lethal than the original strain of COVID. But if Omicron's less lethal, then it could be a blessing in disguise if it displaces the Delta variant as the dominant strain. According to Professor Francois Ballou, he's the director of the UCL Genetics Institute, we cannot rule out, what, uh, rule out that scenario. He says he's got the highly optimistic scenario of a late epidemic mutation that is extremely contagious, displaces Delta, but does less harm, end quote. He explains that if we're, quote, a bit lucky, end quote, Omicron could do less damage to your cells than Delta resulting in fewer hospitalizations and fewer deaths. Then he goes on, he says, if we're really lucky, maybe Omicron doesn't spread to the lungs and kidneys and and stays right up here, which is how you end up with most severe symptoms when it goes down here. If that sounds far-fetched, you should know that there are about 30 Nobel laureates amongst UCL's alumni and current and former staff to date. Plus, last night we spoke to Dr. Eric Topol. He just published a more positive piece in The Guardian about the containing Omicron. Can you imagine? And that is how you would get a Christmas rally. It would be astonishing. No one believes it. These articles seem far-fetched, but I'm pointing it out. Finally, one more positive scenario that could come, our, come true, although, again, somewhat doubtful, if our country actually gets serious about making people get vaccinated. Something, by the way, Dr. Fauci pretty much gave up on today. The other day, I suggested we had to fight COVID like we'd fight a war, the same way President Eisenhower committed to real victory against polio. I've never got more blowback to anything I've said in 16 years of coming out here, even though I'm simply echoing the position of a Republican president and the general who led us to victory in World War II. Two good claims. I don't know what to tell you. National vaccine requirements were pretty uncontroversial consensus before COVID. You can't go to college without a meningitis vaccine. That's not a big cause people have adopted. The anti-vax movement was a fringe thing. Not anymore. It's the majority in a lot of states. All of them seem to have Twitter accounts, and many of them hate me. But even if you don't like it, vaccine requirements are essential. America is now the largest source of Delta spread in the world. 90,000 new cases per day, 50,000 hospitalizations. That's right. This first world country, the one that's lecturing everybody else about closing its borders, is the biggest COVID factory in on Earth. Why? I would say because state and local leaders want to defend your right to get sick and give it to me. My hope is to be part of the solution to conquering the scourge, not to encouraging it. We can do it. We have the three-part vaccine to do it. 
But our politicians have to stop coddling people who are afraid to get their shots or feel like there's some sort of ideological issue here. And our president doesn't seem to know his own power. I'm betting that that can't last. So you want a Christmas rally? If Omicron turns out to be less dangerous than Delta, very real possibility, government gets serious about making people get vaccinated. That's how you let it happen. That's how we save lives. And maybe even turn the bear into a bull. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The News with Deborah Smith starts now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.